This episode is sponsored by our friend Snug Plug. You know I don't do many sponsorships, so when I do, you know that I believe in the product. We all face outlets sometimes that have loose connection. They just fall out. When you're doing your vacuuming or you're trying to charge your phone, it just falls right out of the wall. Well, now with Snug Plug, you don't need to worry about that anymore. You just insert that, and it'll be nice and snug. A wonderful invention that I think you should get as well. And you can support us here at the podcast by going to the affiliate link and getting yourself a Snug Plug. A big thank you to our sponsor, iFixit, who fights for your right to repair and makes really cool tools in the process. If you need to fix your phone, laptop, or even a vacuum, iFixit has thousands of parts, tools, and free guides. Mercury, Mercury Stardust. She's a beacon of hope in the darkest night. Mercury, Mercury Stardust. She'll teach you how to make it all alright. Hey there, hi, my name is Mercury, and I'm the trans handy ma'am. My pronouns are she, her, and I teach compassionate DIY. We're here to help renters, LGBTQIA members, and anyone who's feeling left out in a DIY space. Hey guys, gals, and non-binary pals, thank you for listening to this episode of the Handy Ma'am Hotline. I am, as always, joined by Maggie Conrad. It's worth it. It's just hanging there. It's worth it. to like, just wait. Yeah, just, just let it happen, Maggie. Does it picture us being in 1994? What is the sound in my ears? It's worth it. Maggie, just sit down and watch the TV. (laughs) Maggie, you are on the big screen of life, Maggie. We are so excited to have you here every single week. It's so awesome. That sound in so long. I want you to know that I again. I feel like this is the worst way to introduce the podcast every single week because at this point, people who are listening for the first time have no idea what's happening. They have like, like if this is they're the fir- not in on the inside it, joke it, yet. If this is the first time you're listening to this podcast, this bit has been going on for like the four or five months we've done this podcast, and it's progressively gotten more and more insane. Yeah, it really has. Last week we we launched Maggie into space for some reason. <laughs> Yeah, I'm just waiting for a countdown. Next yeah. Time. <laughs> okay, everybody. But that all being said, Maggie, are you having a good week? I am. Yeah. How are you? I'm having a really good week. Um, by the time that everyone is listening to this podcast, um, we will have be starting um, mm-hmm. because this is coming out the Thursday of the day we're starting the yeah. the wonderful one million dollar live stream for thirty straight hours. Um, but today, if you're listening to this on Thursday today at four p.m. Central Time, I'm starting. The um, the thirty hour live stream with my very good friend Jory, mm-hmm. uh, Luring Skull on TikTok, and we're going to be on TikTok live for thirty straight hours. We're also going to be on Insta- Instagram live as well. Mm-hmm. So if you want to help and support us, please watch the live stream. Um, tell your friends about it. We um are probably already at like two hundred thousand dollars by the time that you are listening to this. Mm-hmm. Maybe a little less, maybe a little more. Um, but we are going the rest of the way uh, by 10 p.m. Central Time on Friday night. We're hoping to have $1 million raised for trans health care by trans people for trans people through the wonderful organization of Point of Pride. So hopefully <laughs> um, we'll be good, good to go. And next week's episode will be the best of 
Mercury Stardust, um, the ha- hot the handy ma'am hotline, so I can take a fucking break. The hot ma'am handy line. The, the hot ma'am handy line. <laughs> God, you know this show always off to a, just a rump, rip roaring good time. You know, when we start the podcast. Oh, right, Maggie. Um, that all being said, now that we've done all the cleaning in the household and organized the boxes, are you ready for the first question of the day? Let's roll it. Let's roll it. Hi, um, my name is Morgan. My pronouns are she, her. I am living in a family member's old house that they are not in anymore. And we've been doing some repairs here and there. But the electricity in the kitchen went out a few years ago, we were told. And so there's nothing that we can use in there. The dishwasher still worked. It did stop working. And then now the oven and stove work but went out for a little bit and then came back on kind of reset itself and then the refrigerator is not running very well and so all of that is in the kitchen but like plugs outlets things like that we can't use in there and then recently there's been some mold in the bottom cabinets and in a few of the top cabinets and we can't figure out where it's coming from or what to do we're in a rural area where there's not a lot of people that will come out to our home and the few people that we have called they just haven't shown up to get quotes or anything or find out so we're kind of winging it and trying to figure it out on our own but in the meantime it's ruined like all of our dishes and so much stuff that we had in the cabinets and now we're no longer able to use the cabinets so this is something that I am so confused about I don't know where the mold is coming from and then there is a bathroom on the opposite wall of where these cabinets are and the cabinet the bathroom cabinet there under that sink is completely filled with mold as well. So if there's any info <laughs> what you think this could be, I would love to hear that. And then I guess I'm kind of like, do we rip the, the cabinets out and throw them away? I am scared to start ripping things out and then need to gut the whole thing. We just can't, we, we can't do that. We don't know how to do anything, and we don't really have the money. So if there's, like, an easy fix or maybe just someone knows about where the mold might be coming from, (laughs) that would be great. Anyway, I love listening to your podcast and all videos and all the posts and everything. Thank you so much for being a light in the LGBTQ community. I know we all love you so much and can't wait to hear the next episode. Thanks so much. Bye. This question requires a lot of answers. So I actually called Morgan directly to make sure that we could solve this a little bit more effectively. So roll the tape, maestro. By maestro, I mean my best friend, Matthew. (laughs) Okay, could you describe again what is happening? We'll go kind of step by step and see if we can help you. Yeah. So, and it's not just the kitchen. But that was kind of the main issue. We are in my mom's old house. So she hadn't lived here for a few years before we moved in. And she's a single mom. She didn't have a lot of time to do the maintenance on the home and kind of keep it up when she wasn't here. So when we moved in, there's some mold and stuff. And we try to treat different areas. But as we've been here, this has gotten worse and worse. And we don't know what to do. So there's mold in the kitchen on the bottom cabinet where it has taken over like the whole thing. I I don't know where it's coming from. And it's also in the upper cabinets on one of the walls. There's nothing 
like there's no visible leak or anything. I don't see any holes okay. or anything like so that. So let's we'll tackle the mold a little bit. There's other issues going on other than the mold, correct? You called about something else. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Let's. Um. The oh yeah, the wonderful, uh, the wonderful electrical party. Okay. So we'll talk yeah. about the mold. So unfortunately, a, a lot of the, the stuff you're describing is pretty bad damage. When mold gets into, even if this is old damage, right? Mold will grow on itself. Like it will expand. It will, you know, try to get get worse as it's going along, right? Um, are when you yeah. press on the walls, are they soft or what I would describe as kind of gummy at all? Um, let me go do that because I don't think I've ever done that. I will say also in there above the stove, there is like a metal plate, like a splash, you know, like behind the stove top, and there's mold coming out from behind that, and there's mold coming out of one of the out okay. too. Um. The wall does not feel soft. No, it feels solid. solid. Okay, that's good. That's good. Mm -hmm. uh, that means that it's not like an active leak, probably. Um, but it does okay. still mean that you're, you're still having issues with mold growth. So the, the, the thing that I will say that you would want to start doing is probably grabbing a dehumidifier. Um, and not just any dehumidifier, okay. like a pretty decent one. Um they usually range between okay. 85 to $150. You can get a pretty decent one. But that dehumidifier is going to stop the growth of the mold and help to prevent it from continuing, okay? While that's happening, you can spray uh, the, the mold itself with some type of mold killer. There's a product literally called Mold Killer that I really recommend. Um, but whatever you do, don't use bleach. Okay. Do bleach just cleans okay. the surface. It doesn't actually like kill the bleach, it, the mold itself. Okay. So whatever you do, okay. shoot it with some wonderful mold killer. Let it soak for like 15 minutes. Then you have a rag with some dish soap and some vinegar in it, like a 50-50 solution. And then you can scrape that away okay. and kind of like rub it in, and uh, that should solve a lot of the problem, okay? Now, you're going to want to do that two to three times okay. a week, even if you don't see it. Like, once you wipe it away, you're still going to want to do that two times or three times a week for about three weeks. And while the dehumidifier okay. is going, that should help the growth of the mold. When you're wiping it away, I would say you're probably going to want either a mask on or a respirator um, definitely wear gloves and those kind of things, Morgan. But that's that's where I would start. Okay. That is the first solution. That is like the lowest cost of the options. If this progresses, which I think okay. it might, then we're talking about like you'll need to um, rip out the the um, the cabinets and rip out the the drywall and actually put in new ones. That's the only way you're going to fully get rid of the problem. Okay. Okay. Now. Now, okay. Yeah, yeah I know. I know. <laughs> it's never a fun do. thing to hear. You know, like oh, the the, the worst case scenario. But yeah. the thing is, the mitigation of the mold could be enough. It really could be, if if you feel like this solves a problem for like three or four months, but then it kind of slowly comes back. Another thing you could do is put like a lacquer on the a mold resistant lacquer, like um, 
There's a product called Kills, that's K-I-L-L-Z, that has a really good mold-resistant okay. lacquer. They can go on top of it, and then you can paint on top of that, too. Okay? That will help to resist okay. the mold a little longer and keep the mold from coming into the air, right? Because that's the biggest fear, is getting mold into okay. our lungs, right? So if we can put lacquer on yeah. it, it's going to seal it into the wall more. Now, if you're getting it around or, or on your electrical outlets, I would re- recommend replacing the, the covers of your electrical outlets and stuff like that and getting all new ones. Okay. But I think that should help with the mold for the most part. The electrical problem, I would like to kind of dive into that because I just did some of this down in Topeka when I was down there helping um, our friend Luke. So why don't we through what's happening with electrical real quick? So I don't know too much. Um, we moved in at the end of 2020, but my mom had not lived here for like three years before that. And she said it stopped working while she was still here. And it just, uh, you can turn the lights on in the kitchen and the dishwasher was working until um, last year it died. Um, the stove did stop working for a little bit um, for like a couple days and then it came back on like it reset itself it's now um in like a different language or something um which is fine we just use it as is but you cannot use the outlets in the kitchen but directly outside of the kitchen and on the other wall the outlets are fine okay so I have, yeah, I have no idea. so this is so there's a lot of going on here. I'm going to tell you kind of the the things that this usually entails, and maybe we'll find a solution here. Okay, so typically when you have okay. outlets in a kitchen, uh, they're the ones like you'll have a kitchen have two different fuses. Like they are your your kitchen is a workhorse in the house, so uh, it holds the most ampage, it holds the most voltage in it. So it's going to typically be the space that has split outlets like you don't kitchens don't typically share outlets with anywhere else in the whole house when it comes to what's an electrical breaker now if uh like depending on how old the house is and when the last time uh the, the outlets were updated you could have a short in one of the outlets and if they're all um wired in a series like not all homes are wired the same but if they're wired in a series which means one outlet is going is wired to the next outlet which which is wired to the next outlet which is wired to the next outlet if one outlet in the series before it gets to any of the other ones is out then none of the other ones are going to work okay so what okay. you could have is that you could have one outlet that is damaged that is not allowing electricity to any of the other ones okay now the way you fix that is you replace the outlets now i don't know how comfortable you are with any of that um but replacing outlets is fairly straightforward um but i would definitely not do it if you don't feel comfortable okay um you want to you want to make sure the electricity is out um they make outlet testers these little plugs that go into the outlet that light up, that let you know if it's good or, or, or bad. Like if it's red, there's no power coming to it. If it's green, it means that it's definitely getting power, but I wouldn't touch it. You know, <laughs> that kind of thing. Okay. Um, so if you're, if you're reading red on those outlet testers, you're um, typically safe to go. 
and try to solve the problem of just taking the outlet out and putting a new outlet in. But if you do do that, I would recommend getting yourself um, commercial grade or uh, industrial grade rather uh, outlets. Get ones that are a little bit tougher, that are going to handle a lot more, you know, wear and tear. Okay. If that's not the solution, because you talked about the dishwasher, you talked about um, the Mm -hmm. oven, and all of those should be on a separate breaker. All that should be on its own little breaker. You could have a problem where your breakers in your breaker box are going bad. That would require an electrician. I wouldn't recommend doing that yourself. Um, In many states, you're not allowed to do that. So I would say that try the outlets, like really get yourself an outlet tester and see if, oh, wow, there's actually no power coming to these. That means that there must be something going on with the series. Uh, We'll give that a try. And if that doesn't work, then you're still not getting power, but it's coming from the the breaker more than likely. Does that all make sense? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, those are the two. Yeah, yeah, and and at (laughs) least the outlet is fairly affordable, and it's fairly accessible. Like, if you get hung up on the safety factor, there are so many good tutorials online. You know, ironically, we're having uh, my company is putting on a YouTube video very soon, either this week or next week, that's going to show you how to replace an outlet. So this is kind of, like, very fortunate. Um, But... But there yeah. are other amazing videos on the good old-fashioned tube of the U that will be able to help show you step-by-step how to do it and make you feel safe along the way, okay? Okay, thank you so much. Thank you so much for calling, and I hope that you are having a good day. And give my love to all the kiddos that are running around in the background, okay? <laughs> I will. Yeah, thank no problem. So Take much. care, Morgan. You too. <laughs> Bye-bye. Okay, we have a question from Samantha in Florida. My name is Samantha, and I live in Florida, and my neighbors have been making offhanded comments to me every time I leave my apartment. Do you have any tips or tricks on security bolts or cameras that could be useful in protecting a Florida queer from the Ron DeSantis crowd? I have a ring doorbell, but that doesn't seem to be enough. Whenever we get questions like this, it's always really scary to me. Mm-hmm. I, I I feel like... You know, this is why I love that this podcast exists, because when people ask me why I have to be called a trans handyman, this is why. Because, like, the fact that queer people and people who are marginalized feel scared in their own home for Mm -hmm. just existing as they are says a lot about our current states of politics, but also says a lot about, like, our society. Yeah. And the fact when people have the audacity to ask me why I feel like I need to call myself the trans handyman, why does it... Why do you have the audacity to even care? Right. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So um, when we talk about safety, there's some things we're going to talk about right off the bat. But I'm going to say my favorite one I always bring up is the Adalock. Mm-hmm. The Adalock is spelled A-D-D-A lock. It is... I Don't get the knockoffs. Do not get the knockoffs. And the reason why I say that is because, yeah, they're cheaper, but you save like 2 $3 mm-hmm. maybe. But... A lot of how the reason why they're able to make it for cheaper is because the designs are usually largely plastic. Mm -hmm. And that's not going to protect you like the old metal, but plastic coated Adalock. So highly recommend getting the Adalock. It's about 15 to 20 bucks. I definitely think you should get two. 
And you can use this not in just your apartment or your house. You can use this in, you know, when you're traveling in hotels or motels or when you are living in the dorms. It's just a really handy tool to have around. But basically, the way that this works is it fits inside of your strike plate. You close the door like you normally would. And then uh, a piece of it slides down and then prevents it from opening. If it's a swing-in door, Mm -hmm. it will prevent it from being a problem, okay? Now, if you're a renter, you typically can't add deadbolts or other things like that, right? And if you have a swinging outdoor, you have less options. We've talked about many different devices over the time of this podcast. I highly recommend listening to some other episodes that we have definitely covered some renter safety issues as well. But my last thing I'll say here is the the question we always answer with is is the the cameras. Maggie, what are the cameras we use in our studio? We use the Google Nest cameras, and those can be outdoor or indoor. And I highly recommend having those in addition to your doorbell because then like anybody in inside you know you can have that on camera as well yeah and it it goes right to your phone and it saves to your phone right like Mm -hmm. i can see stuff in there and take care of it and even if someone damaged that it would still be i would still get the footage of it yeah and you would get like and you should have this ability on your ring camera too to get notified you know obviously every time that uh, the camera goes off when you're not there and it can it'll turn off automatically when you're yeah. home and th- you have to get a monthly subscription in order to be able to like get recording 24 7 and i think it goes back like 10 days what is the month how, how much is it a month oh i don't remember it's it's not that expensive it's less than 50 dollars Okay, that could be a that could be a price prohibitive depending on yeah they have where tiers yeah um to where at least uh like it's a little bit cheaper and I don't even think but it's fifty I think it's like thirty dollars or even twenty there's other options I would have though. yeah there's other options with devices like this I just like this specific one because a we've used it before but yeah. also I've seen how easy it is to install it is like really easy to install you have to charge it every like two weeks or something mm-hmm. um. But you just take it right off the magnetic pad. And I think that... So the reason why I bring this up is because a lot of landlords will have it in their closet that you can't use camera. I think that's absurd, yeah. right? And I trust me, I cannot legally say you should do something illegal, right? <laughs> but I will say this, that the fact that the camera itself can come off the wall effectively and easy enough to me would be a nice plus, right? And make sure that it's not necessarily something that's going to get you in trouble, but something that's going to make you feel safe inside your home Mm -hmm. when you're in your home. I definitely think it's something to look into. And I looked it up, and it's $20 a month for 10 days of history. See, that's a little bit more. A a price of a Netflix subscription almost these days. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God, Netflix is so expensive now. Yeah. But anyways, that all being said, I think that is the route I would go. And my heart goes out to you. It really does. I'm sorry that you find yourself feeling unsafe, and I'm sorry that you find yourself living in Florida. Uh, I hope that you are hanging in there and that everything is good. Okay, now... Um, on to the next question. Okay, we have Leslie. Hi, Mercury Trans Handy Ma'am Hotline. My name is Leslie, and I'm a single mom to my 16-year-old who is transgender. We are big fans of your Instagram because we learn a lot, and we love your amazing laugh. My question to you is this. 
I live in an old home built in 1947, and my basement keeps flooding due to water coming in the walls. I know it's partially due to the huge silver maples in the backyard, which are getting removed soon, but everyone keeps telling me that it's probably due to my drain tiles. People have been scaring me regarding the cost to have this done. Will it really be thousands of dollars to fix a basement like mine? Some say $20,000. Every year I get rain in my basement, so I know I need to take care of this really soon, but can you help me figure out what to do or who to call? I live in Milwaukee. Thank you so much. Keep up the great work. And they sent a picture of their best buddy, Ridley. He's an 11-year-old kitty cat. Oh, my God. Ridley is so cute, by the way. <laughs> that looked like a model photo that you sent us. Yeah, like, look at so that. Cute. Those big eyes and everything. I just want everyone to know, if you want me to answer your question for sure, you put a <laughs> fucking cat in the goddamn People text. People have been sending their kitties more. It's so it cute. does. It does work. <laughs> I will tell you, if I see an image in there, I'm much more likely to look. And also, I should say, I didn't say this at the top of the episode. Typically, I don't know the questions going in. But today I picked the questions because yeah. our uh, wonderful friend to the podcast dash employee, Basil, wasn't able to, to actually pick the questions out today. But so I picked all the questions mm-hmm. out and I picked out most of them were cat related. OK, <laughs> if you sent me a picture of a cat, you got your question answered today. But all that being said, let's talk about good old fashioned drainage when it comes mm-hmm. to homes. OK, so. These these problems that we were having with foundations, Leslie brought up drain tiles. Mm-hmm. A lot of people probably don't know what drain tiles are. I did not before today either. Yeah, drain tiles are essentially these porous pipes that go right alongside your foundation. And it helps with seepage and drainage, right? Mm-hmm. But they have to really... I mean, even retrofit drain tiles just don't really... Uh, or just not really that practical. You can mm-hmm. do them, but you have to dig up so much to to be able to add them retrofit. They are innately expensive, yeah. right? But there are other options than drain tiles. Like drain tiles are not the end all be all of drain seepage issues, right? Mm-hmm. So with the with a drain tile, you add in the pipes when you are adding in the foundation. And that helps to basically reduce the water that is being put into your basement and will prevent like cracks, Mm. um, will prevent weakening of the foundation, those kind of things. So it tends to be like something you don't see in older homes, like, but something you'll see in homes built around the 90s and 80s, right? And, And now, of course. But okay, now let's talk about other alternatives to. The one for drain tiles. <laughs> I'm happy you brought up the the maple tree because trees tend to also be a problem, right? For lots of reasons, but they can lead to bad foundation of our foundations being cracked. So having it removed might generally help the issue in a huge way, especially because I think it was more than one maple too. I think she said two maples or something, right? Um, but all that being said. Uh, there are some options, and the first one I'm going to say right out of the gate is, if you don't have a sub pump, this is where we would want to get you a sub pump. I would assume as a 1946 house that you have a sub pump already going, but if you don't, or yours is not always functional, I would drop $300 on a new sub pump, especially because it, they might be loud and obnoxious and vibrating, and maybe they're you, they they don't always 
work when you want them to, right? Mm -hmm. Sub pumps are vital in Wisconsin. I feel like they are such a huge part of having a basement in a lot of Midwestern states. So I would definitely make sure you have yourself a sub pump. That's going to help a lot and prevent a larger issue. I would also say, no matter what we're talking about, a dehumidifier in your basement will also be nice. Mm -hmm. So even though we were talking about mold in, earlier in the podcast, I think a dehumidifier would also be good to have around and could mitigate some of the dampness, some of the problems you might be having right now. That these solutions that I'm saying right now are a drop in the hat when it comes to financial ownership of a house. Where replacing and doing a retrofit of your drain tiles will be, honestly, it will be expensive. Yeah. That will be, you said $20,000, and I'm going to break it to you that that's actually at the cheaper end. That is a low estimate. Depending on what your house is, it could be as high as fifty or 60000 Wow. It's very expensive. I mean, we're, like half of a house right Yeah, there. these are expensive <laughs> things. The direct, I, I mean, the people who are telling you that you need to do drain tiles, I feel like there's other options to do, right? So we mentioned the sub pump. We talked about dehumidifier. Let's talk about another one that I had to look this up to make sure that I was right when I said this because I wasn't sure if these actually work or not. But drain spout extensions mm -hmm. do a wonderful job. And we found one that's online that's actually pretty affordable. It's 30 bucks. It's basically acting as a laning pad for your downspout. And it grabs the water and then you can either have the ones that rest on the surface or the ones you dig up a hole and then put the, the extension in the grass and then point it in what direction away from your foundation, 15 or 20 feet away from your foundation. And that could be yeah. huge. Anytime you can prevent water from getting into the crevices of your foundation, mm -hmm. into the sides of your house, the better it's going to be. You want that water to go about 10 feet down. If you have a flat yard and your yard is very much like almost like curved towards you there's you have to figure out ways to make sure it's not we used to do something back on the farm called sandbagging and you would just put a whole bunch of sandbags mm -hmm. during around your house and that would help preventing some of the problem itself does it make it a perfect solution oh no not by any means but it's a more affordable route and it can help prevent some of the foundation so it's not seeping Right. completely into your the side of your building. It's sleeping a little bit away. It's still not helping a tremendous amount, but it can be a little bit, right? Another solution that we throw when Maggie was throwing out there before the podcast was a rain barrel. Mm -hmm. And this is another like old-fashioned farm mentality <laughs> is that you go to the downspout and you can you can sometimes just cut off the downspout mm -hmm. and you put the the rain the rain barrel right underneath there. This can be anything. It could be a fifty gallon barrel. It can be an old trash can. Whatever you want, but it has to collect the water and have and, a little filter on it usually. And then you can use that water for gardening. You can use that water in any way you want, or you can just take that water and then bring it somewhere else and put the water in wherever you want it right these solutions are really focused on the downspout so if you don't have a cleared 
you know, gutters or if your downspouts are, you know, pretty beat up. And if you have those trees, you might want like gutter guards. Yeah. Oh, definitely gutter guards. Gutter guards are something that I didn't even know existed up until a few years ago. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I never saw them because, again, we grew up on a farm. We didn't fucking have anything <laughs> like that. We just dealt with what we had. But if you have problems with cleaning your gutters, you can use PVC and a uh, shop vac and mm-hmm. make an extension. And then clean them out that way and suck them all up that way. We did that years on, on property management. So I definitely think there's ways to clean it out. But definitely worth the trouble of cleaning out your gutters to prevent this problem from worsening while you find a more permanent solution if you want to. But I think that's the route I would go. There Now, it's talking about the larger solutions, right? So all the ones we just mentioned are relatively on the lower end as far as price point. They mention the the drain tiles. Mm-hmm. That is like the absolute most expensive option. <laughs> There's other routes. The route that I would suggest in this instance, without seeing it, I think either a trench drain or a swell are better options. Mm-hmm. I don't know if a swell is is is, is going to work in your neck of the woods over in Milwaukee. And if you, I think you almost always got to get a permit for a swell. And you gotta get permission from your 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 neighbors. Yeah. But if your neighbors your neighbors probably have an older house too, and I would suggest I would I would wonder that most people have problems with their basements mm-hmm. if they're older homes, right? Yeah. And well, and for anybody not you know who doesn't know what a swell is, it's it's kind of like a dry creek bed that you create um, to take the runoff away from your house. Um, it's kind of like. You know, like where gutters are supposed to like redirect the water, mm-hmm. it's kind of like turning the ground into a gutter. Yeah, right. Like it's it's a slope that kind of like traps the water in there, and then you usually line the bottom with rocks or something like that. That's going to basically filter out the water system mm-hmm. too. It's great for filtering out the system, right? And then you you just redirect it in a way you want it yeah. to. And you know? I mean, ours usually like, you direct it into like a pond, yeah, or some type of wetland. But you don't need to. You you could direct this into, you know, some type of like street water system or something too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, usually they go downhill. So you want to find like the natural slope of your of your yard and direct it downhill in a in a way that is away from your house. And like our swell is even it do, it doesn't have any rocks or anything. It's just a very sloped. We have like a very sloped yard. Oh really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it it runs yeah like Mercury had said like through your it runs through our neighbors as well. So it runs through the backyard of all of our neighbors and then down the hill to the street. Yeah, I think a swell is my favorite option because of the naturalness of it. Mm-hmm. But also, like, swells are just, like, they're prettier looking. Mm-hmm. They look more natural in the landscape. I think they, like, they kind of, like, give a natural barrier between you and your neighbors. Mm-hmm. I, I just think they're, like, a, a generally nicer thing. But they're not always practical, right? So mm-hmm. a drain trench would be the next route that I would throw out there. And a drain trench, Maggie also brought up what, 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 what the you, French drain. Yeah, they're similar. They're mm-hmm. similar, but they're still going to run you between three to five thousand dollars. And a trench drain is basically you can put it around your house, and the water will then go into that trench drain. It basically acts as the downspout 
extension, as I was mentioning before. Mm-hmm. It's a better, more efficient way of doing it, right? Because that trench drain is a whole bunch of concrete, typically, that is in the ground. So when you the water drops in here and it seeps into the trench, then that drain is directed to a location that you don't want it around your house, mm-hmm. right? I think that is the way I would go I, I, if I was going to spend some money on it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think you also, with all these things, with all these things you mentioned, you almost always have to get permits for all this because you're dealing with trying to deal with your foundation and dealing with drainage and those become a city and issue. directing water. When you're directing water away from your home, you do have to, yeah. Yeah. Get the city involves because they have to make sure it's going to the right place so it doesn't cause a flood that's, for somebody else. That's why I think the rain barrel is an interesting concept because you're not redirecting the water necessarily. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like you, you're you're dealing with it. But I, I would say that all those things would be where I would start. I would start with the things that are less permanent and the things that are a little bit more inexpensive. And then see what works for me and what reduces the amount of water in my basement. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, I think the thing that we need to look at at this is what can we do? What are the little solutions that can give me some relief? And they don't have to solve the problem, but they might be able to show you. Right. Oh, wow. You mean that downspout extension actually reduced the amount of water? Well, yeah. I wonder if a trench drain would do it even more. Then mm-hmm. you can invest three or $4,000, right? Yeah. Because you have a concept that, Oh, you know, I would also say start monitoring how much water piles up in your basement. Like start like thinking about how much water really goes in there. You know, like Mm -hmm. try to keep track of it. If you have one spot of your basement that really gets high, use a ruler. You know, we used to do that back on the farm and see how bad it would get. And then you Mm -hmm. could adjust your sub pump or get a better sub pump and see if it works or not. Right. And then if it doesn't work, fuck it. You you know, this is not going to be a solution that you want to spend more money on, Mm -hmm. you know? So that's the way to go. You could even do a drywall, but I don't think if you're in the city of Milwaukee, you want to do a drywall. (laughs) Um, I don't know if anyone knows what I'm talking about Mm -mm. out there, but a drywall, a drywell is essentially a deep fucking hole that is about, I don't know, 10, 20 feet away from your house oh, and just like catch all the water yeah exactly <laughs> and, and and you can make you can typically when you make a um a drywall you you dry well sorry you have like a a slope that you're inventing mm-hmm. when you're doing it you know that would be the route that, that i would go if i was living on a farm and then you just have this big ass gaping hole <laughs> And then you just put a, a lid on it, and then you call it a day. We had drywall wells everywhere when we were oh, on the wow. farm. But yeah, because you have seepage issues yeah. everywhere on a farm. You know what I mean? Like, especially because we were we were on a hill. Our house yeah. was built into a hill. Do you know what I mean? Sure. So there was no way that we didn't have constant flooding issues. Hmm. So we would have water being piled up everywhere. You know, mm-hmm. water was pilled. Uh, pilled? Pilled, pulled, <laughs> while it was piled up. What the fuck am I trying piled, to say? Yeah. Piled, yeah. Water, <laughs> water was piled up. Uh, pooled. Oh my gosh. Pooled. Water oh, okay. was pooled up everywhere around the house. <laughs> so you would want to have some natural ways to mm-hmm. prevent that from, from getting worse. But dry wells can lead to more damage in your basement. 
So typically, from what I understand about them, they have to be deeper than the foundation itself. Mm-hmm. So that's it all depends. I think like five feet is typical, but sometimes they're deep as like 20 feet. Wow. Yeah. That's a lot of digging. That's a lot of digging. <laughs> I don't know why I became a country western star all of a sudden. Okay. I think we answered it. I think we're three for three for the day. Oh, yeah. For okay. Sure. Let's go for number four. Hey. Hey, Mercury. My name is Kai, and I was wondering, do you know any affordable ways to make a home more disability friendly? I'm disabled and moving into a new house, so I was hoping you might have some suggestions for people like me. This is such a good question, and I'm really happy that you asked it. Now, I will say it right out of the gate. I'm going to talk specifically about several disabilities, but mm-hmm. when we're talking about these subjects, right, we need to be mindful that this is not one-size-fit-all yeah. kind of situation, right? Like, people that have dis- different disabilities, um, it's very much an umbrella term, right, because mm-hmm. it could be... People like my spouse, ZZ, right, um, has EDS, and they're sometimes they're immobile. Sometimes they need help yeah. with a, in a wheelchair. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes they are mobile, but they have severe pain sometimes too. So, like making a space disability um, accessible or making it accessible for people for ha- who have disabilities is not necessarily uniformed, right? right? So be mindful that you're asking this question, but I don't know what your specific limitations are, right? right? And what the things that you're having issues with. So I'm going to try my best to answer this in as many different ways as possible, (laughs) but I'm probably going to miss it because I'm an able-bodied person and I am doing the best I can to be an ally to people who are going through this, but I might miss it, okay? So I'm just going to go through some things that we kind of figured out before we came on the podcast here. So the first thing I'm going to say is when we're talking about accessibility, the first thing that comes to mind is typically wheelchairs and making it wheelchair accessible. It doesn't always have to be that for people who are disabled, but largely making a space not accessible only with stairs is just a good idea for everybody, right? Mm -hmm. So eliminating the front steps, if there are front steps, is something that I would think very strongly about or modifying it. So this is like adding a ramp if it's possible. And they make these ramps that are fairly accessible with price mm-hmm. that can be added to your home. And they even make them off of Amazon, actually. So, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, they do. So you could go that route. And you, you, some places are even telling me to, to tell you all, like, to install the, 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 the lifts, mm-hmm. you know. But that is almost always price inhibitive. Yeah. That's much harder. But you can, we'll talk later on about it, but you can get grants to mm-hmm. make your house accessible. And we'll talk about what grants you can get that will help you in just a few seconds here. So the, another thing we want to think about is how to make your your doorways more accessible mm-hmm. for wheelchairs too, if we're talking about wheelchairs themselves. I would say 36 inches in a doorway would be accessible for most wheelchairs. Making your hallway less narrow, if you have a narrow hallway, those kind of things are really important. Also, the most important if you have a wheelchair or any type of mobility issue is making sure that you don't have slippery floors mm-hmm. or floors that are going to snag on things. Having, or really high thresholds. Yeah, I think I've, I've, I've read before that vinyl flooring is ideal for most wheelchairs mm. and most um, accessibility issues. So mm-hmm. I think a vinyl floor is actually also pretty affordable, typically. Yeah, yeah. Like vinyl flooring is kind of the most affordable to redo your whole 
floor. Mm-hmm. So I would say that's something you want to think about. Make sure that your bathroom is on the first floor. Having a second floor bathroom might not be the yeah. best idea for people if that's the only bathroom in your house. So making sure, or, you know, if your bathroom is in the basement. So make sure that there is a bathroom on the first floor. I would hope there is. And then another thing that I would throw out there is making sure that you take the doorknobs off of your doors and you make them handles or or, or push. Yeah. Right? Because doorknobs can be really hard for people who have dexterity issues. Mm-hmm. And even for me, I have really bad couple tunnels sometimes. And it can be really hard for me to turn stuff. Yeah. Uh, if I get I get sharp pains in my my wrist. So we have handles everywhere in our shop. But if you have knobs, a mm-hmm. doorknob could be more of uh, inaccessibility than a handle. So think about that. You could also put push plate too on it, but that's a whole different hinge and, and everything as well. Maggie, feel free to add anything if you got it. I think you're doing a great job. I'm killing the game, you would say. <laughs> um, oh, this is another huge one. Make sure you have adequate lighting. Mm. The right, like, yeah, uh, that's true. Having making sure that you have nice bright lighting throughout your house that you can actually see things is usually really important. Um, and again, different accessibility is going to require different things, but lighting tends to be a very overlooked one. Mm-hmm. And this is going to prevent a whole bunch of different things and help to, pre- to prevent like, A, as someone who is very neurodivergent, it's just going to make my mood better when things are brighter. Mm-hmm. But it's also going to prevent like, things are in a shadow you might bump into something it could help with eyesight issues if you're having sight issues and those things are on the lines i would also say removing rugs make sure there's not rugs everywhere loose rugs can become an issue and mm-hmm. prevent mobility and then last but not least making sure that your countertops are lower that your appliances are accessible lower if necessary again this is if you're in a wheelchair right if you're not, make sure that they're accessible with whatever mobility device you have, right? Like if you have um, cabinets that are like the grab knob kind, mm-hmm. that's kind of the same thing as your door. Maybe having hooks or something on your cabinet door would be good too. So thinking about those kind of things is really important. And everything I've mentioned except the ramp, fairly affordable, right? The flooring is a little bit more of a higher price point. Yeah. But everything else I mentioned... For a couple, for just a couple hundred dollars, you can solve a lot of these issues. The doorway being widening is going to be a little bit more of a task, but even that doesn't have to be that expensive. You can do that for a fairly good price, you know. Yeah, I think I I, I handled almost all of this. If you're talking about affordability, mm-hmm. then I think that you want to add handrails and grab bars too. Yeah, because they're they're fairly affordable, but boy, they make and- things. Also, switching out a if you can a bathtub for a shower pan. Oh, that's a good one too. Having a shower chair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Zizi has a shower t- chair that really yep. makes a world of difference. Oh yeah. And when you add the handrails and grab bars, make sure they're on studs. I yep. cannot stress it enough. Make sure they're on studs. Do not rely just on drywall anchors with those. Okay. Anything else I'm missing, Maggie? You know, I think you really covered it. We actually the first home that we bought was. Uh, wheelchair accessible because it was an, an older woman and Habitat for Humanity came and made it wheel, more wheelchair accessible. And I feel like you kind of, you know, named a lot of the things that we saw in the home when we moved in. You know, the last thing I will add is smart home 
technology, mm-hmm. right? I think that like there's so many things from your thermostat, your lighting, your sound. And you can get a lot of that really cheap too. Like you don't have to install, like it's literally just a pl- like a, a type of bulb that you, that you use. Um, and also like for switches. Oh, this is good. It just reminded me. Um, you can get uh, wireless switches for oh, yeah. certain light bulbs. Yeah. We use them all over our house. Yep. Um, if there's not like an outlet that's on a switch and you can put the switches down lower then that are more accessible for you. Um, I love that, Maggie. That's such a good idea. It, it's just like it's. I love it's those a wireless. Things. You can put it wherever you want, and yep. it's just a wireless bulb and with a, a wireless switch. We covered a ton today on that. Like this, I feel like we just went over <laughs> so <laughs> much, and I and I hope that I didn't focus too much on wheelchairs because I want to make it very specific. The yeah. only not, not the the only not only. The the disability is not just wheelchairs and mobility, right? right? It could be so many different types of it. So I think it's really important that we make that known. Mm-hmm. I don't want anyone to feel like they're not seen with this. But as far as like making the home more friendly for mobility in general, yeah. you know what I mean? Like I feel like we covered a lot of it. Now, price point and money mm-hmm. and needing help. There's organizations that are dedicated to helping make this affordable okay you can reach out to the grant fund that is a self-efficiency grant from the modestneeds.org is one or you can um, reach out to the grant the individual adaptive equipment grant from the travis roy foundation those two are the ones that i found online and they the most reputable and both of them do not have any i do not think they have any income requirement so, or age requirement, I think. All the ones I found were age requirement where you oh, had to be above sure. 62 and only making $20,000 a year or wow. less. And those are pretty high thresholds for some people. Mm-hmm. But if you are in that category, like if you are someone who's 62 and you don't make much every year, then you can look into the World Housing Repair Loans and Grants Program. That is specifically for people who are 62 and above and make less than $20,000 a year. So I hope that'll help you. I think this is the most thorough I've answered a question <laughs> in fucking forever. But I just felt like that was a really important yeah. question that we never covered on this podcast. Yeah, it was definitely a first here. Yeah. And also, I always feel like, and I want to let you know, I looked up multiple websites. Mm-hmm. Like, we looked up so many different ones. But this is the one that I looked up the most. It's called rockethomes.com. They wrote an article called A Guide to Home Maintenance for Accessibility. And I got to tell you, this is such a thorough article, but I've probably read like five or six. Mm -hmm. And that was the one that made the most sense to me. The one that had the easiest layout and everything, too. Cool. So, yeah, I hope that worked out. I hope that was good. Oh, last thing. I said all of this and I didn't say one of the most important things for me. I am, for those who don't know, I am very hard of hearing on my left ear. I, I, um, I, I don't know. I have like. 10 15 percent of like mm. my hearing left on my, my 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 left side so i am learning asl and i'm also trying to make our current home accessible for you know home stuff right so we have our doorbell is linked to lights nice. when you walk in right and those kind of things are important too like Using light to alert people, if that's an an accessibility, Mm -hmm. is important. Light switches that have different colors and things like that can help. Anything that that can get your your attention 
visually rather than just mm-hmm. from noise. Mm-hmm. As someone who, at the end of the day, because Maggie's looking at me right now, I have my left ear is exposed, yeah. but my right ear is completely covered. I take a lot of heat from my right ear. Like my right mm-hmm. ear mm-hmm. is constantly handling all the workload that both my ears should. So by the end of the day, I don't typically like have I, my hearing gets worse by the end of the day, mm-hmm. right? So the end of the day can be very hard if there's multiple noise happening for me to be able to pick up on where the, the noise is coming from. Yeah. And if I'm having a TV in the background and someone's talking to me, I, I can't always hear what the person is saying. So, yeah. Anyways, I hope we covered all that. I hope we did a good <laughs> job. Maybe you did a good job. You did a great job. I did a good job. Next question. <laughs> Hi there, Mercury. Fellow trans person and fan here. I have a question for your podcast today. How do you strike a balance between staying informed about all the increasing systemic harm impacting our community without feeling too overwhelmed or anxious all of the time? How do you practice self-care and soothing? What a great question. And I'm going to be honest right now. I don't know if I'm always good at this. Maggie sees me almost more than anybody in the way of like how vulnerable I am and how much pressure I put on myself. Yeah. I think that, hey, I love this question. And thank you for sharing like this with us and asking this question. But I think for me, as a trans person who is very visible, I, I think sometimes I beat myself up about not doing enough or mm. not making sure that voices are elevated that should be elevated. I, I feel like I, I lose sleep over this sometimes. Mm-hmm. I often talk about this, but I... I lucked into this platform. Um, yes, a lot of this came from my hard work. This is true. I don't want to demean the hard work that I put into this and my friends put into this and Maggie's put into this. But it wasn't by design. It was like one viral video changed my life forever and then I just kept running with it. And I often don't feel like I have the ability or the the skill set to handle all the expectations and pressure that's put on me. And sometimes I'm asked these really heavy questions. Like, what do you think about the Kentucky bill? Mm -hmm. What do you think about the Tennessee bill? What do you think about such and such who was killed in this city? And it's so heavy for me to think about all the time. Right. So how do I balance all of it? How do I try to find peace within all of this trans suffering right now i try to focus on the community that i can help mm-hmm. i try to focus on the support system that i've built over the years and i try to make sure that i do things that bring me joy one of those things that bring me joy is i love going to see movies alone mm-hmm. uh, i don't think maggie do you know that about me no no i go to movies alone pretty much constantly really yeah i love going to see movies alone in like for Creed three when Creed three came out just a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. I went to that movie alone. It was like my I, nice. I took my myself out. I call it date night, Mercury date night, mm. solo date night, and I try to do things like that to keep my peace mm-hmm. and make me feel normal in the sea of normality. Right, like this is it's not normal to have the world crashing down on you. Yeah, and it's not normal for trans people to be in the spotlight. It just isn't. I remember a time when I was younger when we we didn't even have terms for trans people. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? The only terms we have are largely 
you know, derogatory, right? And we didn't really have a term until 1996, and that was transgender. Before that, it was a lot of terms were were thrown at us. A lot of them were derogatory, but they were like sissy, the F-slur, the T-slur, transsexuality. And the list goes on and on and on and on and on. But all these terms were thrusted on us. Mm-hmm. The only term I think that we've we've embraced has been transgender. It's one of the only terms we have universally, largely embraced. Yeah. But that's recent history. That's 1996. That's younger than I am. And I think when we talk about these subjects, it's so easy to lose the sight of the fact that so many people kept us a secret that we weren't spoken about. So we're learning in real time how to handle the pressures about being the center of the LGBTQ community instead of the unspoken workforce. You know, the trans community for years was the front ahead of the front lines when it came to activism. And now we're not just in the front lines. We are... In the front lines, but we're we're fuel for the hate machine. Yeah. And that's hard. That's really hard to handle. And psychologically, I don't think any of us can comprehend all that's happening. As we're listening to it right now, I think something like 385 anti-trans bills have been introduced into local and national legislation. And the list just keeps going up higher and higher. And every week, every day... There's a new bill that adds to it. So to answer the question about how do I keep my peace, how do I keep my my center of gravity, is I focus on what I can control and how I can help people. And that's largely the $1 million fundraiser. Um, I said this in an interview earlier this week, but for me, focusing on a $1 million fundraiser is a way that I can keep my sanity. because. I'm able to raise money for our community in response to the hate. That hate is generating so much support for what we're doing, Mm -hmm. right? The more they hate us, the more people want to reach out, the more allies want to step up. And we're using that energy to raise money to help 11,000 trans people access gender-affirming care who would not be able to otherwise. So as I do on the internet, when I get a hate comment, I favor it. And I keep it in my my file. So when I need to have um, fuel for my views on TikTok, <laughs> I re- use their hate to educate. Yeah. And I use their hate to fuel views, which then in turn fuels knowledge. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's been my same response to the million dollar fundraiser. The more they hate us, the more help we can give. And they're not doing what they think they're doing. And that's the only way that I can totally handle that. And also, I pet a lot of cats. I pet a lot of cats. <laughs> I hang out with my spouse. I find the love that I have in the world, and I hold on to it with my dear heart. Yeah. And that's the best thing we can do. And also, be be mindful. There is no right way to handle all of this right now. Like, I, I just feel like, you know, just don't lash out on others. Try to regulate your emotions as much as possible. And do what you can to ground yourself. Mm-hmm. And just know you're not alone. That every trans person I've spoken to in the last three or four weeks, all of us are exacerbated. Uh, all of us are exa- ex- exhausted by it, yeah. rather. 
and all of us are absolutely overwhelmed by it. But finding the trans joy and putting that in the forefront is kind of the the solution I think we need to focus on a lot. Mm -hmm. Yes, marches are good. Yes, um, um, supporting trans uh, trans laws, like trans support laws. All those things are really good. But also finding our joy in the midst of all of this pain is what can lead to trans youth feeling like it's safe to come out because in the midst of all this a lot of trans youth are afraid Mm -hmm. and they are afraid but we need to make sure they know that we're not going anywhere that we're fighting for them the trans youth should not be fighting for us right we need to be standing up and protecting them so i hope that all makes sense i hope that was a good (laughs) enough answer such a hard one to answer in all so many different ways. Yeah. But can I speak to the allies for a moment? Oh my god, go right ahead, Maggie. Yeah, I mean, just you know, as somebody who's business partners with Mercury, and um, you know, I, I just want to say to allies that this is also our, our chance to to stand up and to support our trans friends because you know they're going through so much right now, as you know, um, as Mercury just spoke about, and so we really need to be willing to give a lot of grace. And to show up for them and to be there for them because, you know, not only are they are they, you know, the subject of all of the hate right now, but um, they're just the punching bag that's being, hap- you know, that they're using, you know, the, the people are using right now. And they're going to come for other people as well. And so standing up for our trans um, community is going to stand up for everybody else and it's going to help everybody else. And so I really want to call on the allies to show up for your trans friends and family right now because it's not some far off, you know, thing. It's something that's happening to them. And there are ways that we can show up for them and support them. And I just encourage you to reach out to your trans friends and family and make sure that they're okay. And again, a lot of grace right now. Maggie, I love you. Thank you for being like the queen of all the allies. I really, I I, I don't know what I would do without you. Um, That all being said, I want to end this on a high note. And I just want to say we're already at like probably 200,000 by the time you're Mm -hmm. listening to this. And I know that it's something every day is really hard. But think about what we can do. Like the trans community is so good at mutual aid. And that keeps me going. It really does. And I get so much hate on the internet. But I think I spend more time laughing than I do crying. <laughs> and we find ways to be silly. We find ways to make each other laugh. And I try to not be alone. I yeah. try my best to be surrounded by people who support me and don't question my existence. And I think that's hard. I think that's it, it's a privilege to be able to not be around people who question your existence as a trans person. Yeah. You know, like if you have a job that's blue collar, it's just by the very nature, it can be hard to even be out. Mm-hmm. So. If you're listening to this and you're trans and you feel alone, just know I understand and I love you and I hope that you're in an okay place. Okay, everybody, I hope that you are having a good day. I hope you are hanging in there. I hope that you are petting on cat, maybe eating a strawberry and God damn it, cucumbers. Cucumbers with salt. <laughs> oh my God. Maggie introduced me. Mini cucumbers with pink salt. <laughs> oh my God. Maggie introduced me to this just today and I have been obsessed with cucumbers now. A great after school snack. Uh, but that all being said, uh, I hope you are having a good day. I hope that you are loved and appreciated and as always, remember, you're worth the time it takes to learn a new skill. Bye-bye. 
The theme song for the Handyman Hotline was written by Rody Walker. The questions were picked out by our production assistants, Ray and Basil. And the sound was engineered by Matthew Allen Hag. Thank you for listening. See you next time. This episode is sponsored by our friend Snugplug. You know I don't do many sponsorships. So when I do, you know that I believe in the product. We all face outlets sometimes that have loose connection. They just fall out. When you're doing your vacuuming or you're trying to charge your phone, it just falls right out of the wall. Well, now with Snugplug, you don't need to worry about that anymore. You just insert that and it'll be nice and snug. A wonderful invention that I think you should get as well. And you can support us here at the podcast by going to the affiliate link and getting yourself a Snugplug. If you enjoyed this episode of the Handyman Hotline, you can listen to an even longer version by supporting us on Patreon. If you support us on Patreon, $10 or more, you'll be able to get an extra long 30 to 45 minute section every single week. Isn't that amazing? More of me and Maggie. Wow! So thank you so much for all those who already support us, and you too can support us and listen to more on our Patreon. Thank you. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed this episode, please help us keep the pirate ship alive by supporting our sponsors, the wonderful iFixit. They fight for your right to repair and makes really cool tools in the process. If you need to fix your phone, laptop, or even a vacuum, iFixit has thousands of parts, tools, and free guides to make your life a little bit easier. So grab your hammer and nails and paint your nails if you want to. You're worth the time it takes to be you. You how to fix your house, how to fix it by yourself. The trail.